Warning, the episode you are about to listen to most likely contains graphic language, details of violence and murder, and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everybody, it's us again. Hello there. Welcome to episode nine of Murder With My Mother. Part two of Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. We hope you guys enjoyed last episode, and then we made you guys wait two weeks. <laughs> I hope the suspense didn't kill you. I know. I talked to a couple people, and they're like, "No, my God, I thought it was gonna be one part." I was like, "Nope." It's Sorry, not. we ran out of time. <laughs> like to keep you guys held on for a little bit longer. I had a dentist appointment, so <laughs> I didn't have anything. No, mom has mom likes to go home after work and uh, go, to bed. go to bed pretty much. So, well, it is uh, beginning of the end of our maybe weird year that we've had. Hopefully it doesn't continue on another year or two. Well, with the vaccine, I mean, everyone's kind of like black and white with like, either going to take it or they're not going to take it. So yeah, it's crazy how everyone's uh, personalities are coming out and humanity is being revealed right before our very eyes. Very interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, there's a lot of weird people that I've had to take off my Facebook that I didn't even know were weird before. Well, they might be listening right now. Well, I don't care. Like if I didn't take you off, then you're not that weird. But there's some people that are like, like they will not wear a mask. Because it's infringing on their rights. Like, okay, I understand that you have rights, yes, but we're in the middle of a global pandemic. So just, it's not, the mask is not for you. It's for other people to be courteous. Because what if you're asymptomatic and you're just carrying it around and like they punch people in the face because they won't wear a mask for like weird shit like that. That's weird. You don't hit somebody because you don't want to wear a mask. If someone, you go to a store and they're like, put your mask on, please. Like this is our policy. You don't punch the worker. Like what? I've known lots of people actually that have been uh, diagnosed that are asymptomatic. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I like to call it the, like the little red riding hood disease because it's like, it's not coming for you. It's coming on you to follow you to your grandma's house yeah. and get your grandma it's or your true, grandma, actually. right? I never thought of it that way. Yeah. So keep our old loved ones safe and the ones we don't love, <laughs> even keep them safe. We want to keep everybody safe. So you know, do your part, wash your hands, don't be gross, wear your mask, don't pick your nose. Or do, but do it at home and like... Wash your hands out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, here we go for part two of Carla Hamolka and Paul Bernardo. It's hard to say really fast, so... So last time we left off, right when the police had questioned Paul Bernardo, they realized that they had not gotten his DNA sample back yet. Okay, so it's come to light that he was super cocky and confident for no reason because they didn't even test his DNA yet. It was still sitting there waiting to be tested? Yeah, it was sitting there waiting to be tested. They didn't even really think it was him because he was so confident and cocky. But once they called, the other police called them back, actually. They said they hadn't tested it yet. And right around that same time was when Carla had moved out in with friends as we said before yeah after he with family sorry after he brutally beat her up with a flashlight and she charged him for assault right yeah so she charged him with assault and then paul's dna test results came in and it was confirmed he was the scarborough rapist guy was overconfident from the beginning yeah totally narcissistic 
So the police called Carla in to have a little chat with her and she thought it was about the assault that Paul had done on her and quickly realized through the questioning that it was actually about the Scarborough rapes and the fact that they were connecting the murders all together. So they interviewed her for five hours and after which she went home basically and had a nervous breakdown. Yeah, I don't blame her. Imagine she, well, you're, they're right on your tail. You don't know what they know and cops are sneaky. So they, she went home and confessed to her uncle that Paul was a Scarborough rapist and that he had killed Kristen French and Leslie Mahaffey. And she probably said it so like, cause like you said, she was in the middle of a breakdown and nothing she's saying probably is making sense. And she's telling him all this stuff and the family really liked Paul. So they probably were a little bit like, wait, what? And clearly she probably was visibly having a nervous breakdown. Yeah. Well, she ended up in the psych ward shortly after that. And so while, yeah, visible yeah, nervous yeah, breakdown. Visibly. Yeah. Oh yeah. And while she was in the psych ward, she wrote a letter to her family professing her and Paul's guilt over raping and killing her sister, her own sister, Tammy. Which the family had no, absolutely no idea that that was even, obviously they knew that they were drinking together and she tried to resuscitate her after she choked and all that stuff, but they, who, who, like, who would think that that's what really happened and for her to detail it all in the psych ward, like. Yeah, and in the letter, she said that Paul had forced her to do it and that she was he was in love with her sister, Tammy, and she only went along with it because he was abusing her and forcing her to do it. And Yeah, she played the victim. Yeah, she played the victim, like she always says. And she well, got... Well, it works for you, yeah. <laughs> well, it had worked up, yeah. up until this point, for exactly. sure. Exactly. And she also confessed to her family that she had brought the drugs home from the um, vet clinic and that she would prefer to kill herself. She thought about it often. She would take the place of Tammy if she could. She never meant to hurt her little Tammy skins. Yeah. That and... creeps me out that she even referred to her as Tammy Skins. In the... And then she actually signed off the letter XOXO. Yeah. After pretty... you just professed, like you're just confessing to killing their youngest daughter. Or... Yeah. And she said the reason she didn't kill herself is because she didn't want to put her family through losing another daughter mm -hmm. and another sister. Nice. She's very soft. Dot, dot, dot. Very selfless. <laughs> yeah. Very. Yeah, it's a very selfless act right there. After being in the psych ward and sending that to your family and then finding out that your husband is arrested. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's obviously all going to be, and not knowing if the people are going to know what he's going to say and what he's going to be able to prove. And he's probably thinking about all of that. And yeah, I mean, that would, if there's cause for a nervous breakdown, like yeah. that's it. So she immediately, when she got out of jail um, or when she got out of the psych ward, sorry, she <laughs> retained a lawyer uh, and it happened to have been a person she already knew that used to bring his dog to her vet clinic. So she told her lawyer uh, that she had knowledge of the murders and the fact that Paul was the Scarborough rapist and that she would like to make a deal. Of course she would like to of make course. a deal. Of course. And it's Canada. So hello, welcome to your deal, your deal making. And at this point they didn't really have anything else so well and listening. how how like because every time i'm going to say this about this case but like every time you you're interviewed or you're anything nobody's gonna think 
that this is actually what's going on because what like again what are the chances what are the odds that these two evil people would meet each other and get married but so seeing that she looked like a visible a visible victim because even the assault he he fucked her up pretty bad especially yeah like he rattled her brain right against her eyeballs yeah and so really not knowing that this is after they've completed all of these things together and knowingly she was willingly involved like she was a willing participant in obviously that hasn't come out yet because nobody has seen that but like we told you guys earlier you know they had a real they had a real thing for filming it yeah which each their own but when you're filming things that could possibly put you in jail for the rest of your life you should i don't know probably get rid of them but these guys are weirdos and we all know that so they like to keep those things the tokens yep so the trophies (laughs) the police did a three-month search warrant on their little house and the only thing that came up was that paul had a penchant for um sadistic sex books pornography serial killer books and they did find one video and that video was the rape of jane doe the friend that she had brought home from the vet clinic who still didn't know that she was even a victim yeah, at this point. Yeah, she had no idea. And that was it. So Carla got her deal made and she agreed to plead to manslaughter. The deal was kept very, very hush-hush from the whole public. There was a publication ban put on and no one really knew what was going on in the background. Yeah, they probably knew that making that deal wasn't a good idea because she obviously had said, you know, I'll give you for the information because they didn't have much else to go on. So they're going to take what they can get. But to say, oh, I was a victim. I was this, I was that. And and obviously from their end, I don't think it was what comes out later as being like, okay, oh no, what did we do? I don't think, right? Because I don't think that there would have been much, nobody was, nobody's going to think that this girl just was like, yeah, let's rip my sister no. kill all these teenagers and have sex slaves and nobody well, and her own psychiatrist from her time in the psych ward wrote a big reference letter basically saying that uh in his opinion that she had participated because she was a victim of abuse she knew what she was doing but she didn't feel like she had the ability to help herself or others at the time so she went along with it as to not be abused more by Paul because he was a brutal abuser to her. Meanwhile, after the police had finished the search of the house, Paul asked his lawyer to go into their bathroom, unscrew a pot light, and take some videotapes that were in there. Oh, the jackpot. Yeah. The trophies. He also told his lawyer not to watch the tapes. But after three months, I'm more inclined to do things when people tell me not to. Like, for sure he watched them. So he watched them. And, <laughs> and of course, of course. Against human. Paul's recommendation. Human nature. However, he did not turn them in to the police. He just sat on them and kept them. Which... Well, when that's your client and that is damning evidence, is that not illegal to keep to It keep is that? illegal. Yeah. yeah, but again, having that be your client, then that, okay... They're on the, these two girls that are dead. Three girls. Three Tammy girls. Well, and, Tom, and Tammy, exactly. But, you know, the two girls that they know of, because they don't know of Tammy, right? They didn't think because she wasn't a dead, she wasn't considered someone that was kidnapped and missing. So it was really Kristen French and Leslie Mahaffey 
but seeing them on a videotape like what's yeah. the what's the chances they got raped on this videotape and then he let them go and someone else murdered them none well exactly <laughs> and there was also video of uh more disturbing things like there was a video made three weeks after they had killed tammy that showed them um what they called a fireside chat and paul and carla were walking around the house filming the area, the rumpus room that they killed her in, her bedroom. Uh, pa Carla admits that she enjoyed killing Car uh, her sister Tammy and watching the sex act between uh, Tammy and Paul. And she also dressed up like Tammy in Tammy's clothes and they proceeded to have sex on the videotape. Yeah, like you feel so horrible, like you just told your family you're consumed with guilt. Yeah. Like, I think she was consumed with, oh no, I'm about to be caught and outed for being, she's raped her sister. She's the one that initiated that and they died. And like I said in the last episode, I'm pretty sure she's the reason for the murdering. Like, I don't think that Paul, I think Paul was cool with just having sex with them and, and brutalizing them. Yes, but the murder, I, I really think that it was... It was her wanting that, like... Well, I don't yeah. think he ever thought he would get caught because he was so egotistical. Yeah. She didn't kill them because she was going to get caught. If she killed them, it was because she enjoyed killing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. because, That's the whole thing. Well, another difference. thing, too. Yeah, like we said, it, he was out committing rapes for, like, years. Like, he was out yeah. there raping for years. And, and that's only the ones we know about. There are rapes also. There's one rape that happened in Hawaii when they were there on their honeymoon. And the only reason that they even tied it that that may be related is when they did the search of the house, they found an article of that rape. Again, this guy, yeah, this guy loves to keep things that other people wouldn't know. I mean, okay, find newspaper clippings of something and it's someone that just happens to be a serial killer that has that clipping. Like in every episode of Forensic Files or Dateline or 2020 or any of that, right? Yeah. American Justice, like any of them. It's always, oh, okay, these people have all these clippings of this. And or they, 500 pairs of underwear. Yeah, or, or everything cataloged or they keep the victim's jewelry and they get it, they give it to their wives or they loved ones so that they can see people wearing that. Or So keeping this newspaper clipping and it was, it happened to happen in Hawaii at the same time they were there for their honeymoon? What? Okay, clearly that's connected. So how many of them are there that they have no idea about? So he was clearly cool with raping and brutalizing, and but the murder, like, just screams to me that Carla is the one that wanted to murder because she wanted to get rid of these people because she didn't want her husband. She was jealous, like super jealous. Well, and also when Paul was um, questioned about the Scarborough rapes after they got his DNA, he confessed to everything about the rapes, but the police didn't uh, get him a lawyer when he requested one, so it was all completely inadmissible. But he admitted to all that stuff, and the one thing he never admitted to, he admitted to that, he admitted to kidnapping, raping beating up carla yeah he can all that but stuff. he said with each murder victim with Kristen french and leslie mahaffey he was not home when they were murdered well and i believe him yeah me too. i know he's not a very credible guy and he's not obviously a, a stand-up citizen but i believe him against her for sure yeah and she had already made her deal at this point so the fact that the lawyer didn't turn in the tapes before 
Carla made her deal. Obviously, everybody yeah. Because Carla got away with it. Well, and when they come out later, the knowledge of knowing that she made that deal and she she got manslaughter. Like, that's what she agreed to be charged with was manslaughter, which, okay, if you're going to ask me, this is like, what is before first degree murder? Because yeah. that is what she should be charged with. Because it, yeah, yeah, at least second degree murder. Well, and then you think about it too, because it's her baby sister. For her, I feel like it was so premeditated. Like she probably wanted to kill her for like years, and then she did. Like yeah. so. No, she definitely had sibling rivalry and jealousy, and well, and the fact that she was trying to give her sister's virginity to her fiance for Christmas as a Christmas yeah. gift. I don't know. Just that's not on the top of my list. Or no. my giving or my receiving list. No. <laughs> she was charged with manslaughter and freedom bail on May the 18th. And on May the 19th, Bernardo was charged with two counts of first degree kidnapping, sexual assault, two counts of first degree murder, and indignity to a body. So he got... The bigger end of the charges, for of sure. Of course, yeah. Because he was the one that made her do it all. Well, she was a victim. She yeah. was forced to do all this stuff. Which, again, when you are on the law side of this, the legal side is going to see a victim of abuse. Oh my goodness, she's young. She was so young when she met him. She had no previous this. He is a rapist and he's admitted to all these rapes. But... Well, and I think also when you look at her in the trial, like if you ever see pictures of her in that trial... She was like a conundrum. She was dressed like almost like a schoolgirl with bangs. And oh, yeah, like, she looked so angelic. But then she had this dark hooker makeup on. Like, yeah. it was, it was like, it was, yeah, it was a weird well, situation. I recall you said last time too, when she, even when she talks about it, when you see interviews with her. Yeah, she's like, she's dead inside. Yeah, which you don't just get like that. No. That's not something that just happens. Yeah, like when she was, like when I said before, when she was talking about um, Kristen French being at the house and it was Easter and she was like, I, Paul wanted to keep her for longer, but I knew she yeah. had to go. Because what if she escaped? Yeah, what if she escaped? No, yeah, so... So she was convicted after a four-month trial uh, of manslaughter and sentenced to 12 years in jail. And that was in total. So that was probably, that's for everything yeah, that she was included, involved in. Yeah. And her parents sat there in yeah, they support were of supportive. her. Which I asked you if you would be in support of me if I killed my brother. And, and I said, no way. No Wink, wink. So, July the 5th, the judge ordered a delay on publication. So, this was uh, the day before she was convicted. He decided that none of the information that was revealed in her case was going to be published in Canada so that it didn't bias any jury. But they still published it in the United States and in Europe and people were actually going crazy over the details like oh yeah the police were fucked up yeah police were charging people that were seeking out details even, from other countries yeah. like that was unheard of even look at the infamy they still have you know how many requests i got for this case like yeah. so many of you guys know this case and again because it was two people that looked like ken and barbie and like really they murdered her sister they're out raping all these people that killed these two teenage girls like it, 
they're like sick and sadistic and twisted and they look like your neighbor like yeah it's, you know very 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 crazy like nothing we'd ever seen before no exactly so the fact that people were trying to get sneaking that stuff you know you hear of like people sneaking like other stuff in the country but if it's like all oh, newspapers and well that's the thing about true crime even look at us from the podcast like obviously yeah. people people are enamored with true crime like you can't understand especially when it's something super twisted well it's so fascinating to see what i mean you can't even understand what makes someone's brain no. like that work but it's like a train wreck you can't look away from yeah and exactly. especially when the victims are such innocent little young women just coming into their own and i mean that's horrifying well yeah so they're, they're not even anyone that's ever done anything to no. deserve anything like that in their lives well and they're taken for a sick twisted like selfish pleasure pleasure right there's no rhyme or reason to who you are it's just oh you're young and you look like I could victimize you and yeah. that's exactly just what that's the that's the thing about crime and random crime and depravity yeah you never know who the person next to you could be or what they could be capable of so mom don't look yeah. at me like that <laughs> so in 1994 Paul's trial is set to begin they were going to do a preliminary hearing to make sure that they had enough evidence to go to trial blah 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 that was cancelled and they were actually just going to send him straight to trial because it was so depraved mm -hmm. and they didn't need any more evidence. They, at this point, had Carla had testified about everything. They still didn't have the tapes yet, mm -hmm. but they figured they had enough because they had, like, it's actually a right to not testify against your spouse. Yeah. So, but she had agreed to save her own. Which ass. they were probably like, woohoo, yeah. like, yay, like, when would we ever get this chance again? Like, thinking she is this victim that was coaxed into this juke because she was abused right exactly but all because of the enough. flashlight to the head brought her a lot of credibility yeah honestly she should count her lucky stars that he did that so in may he actually entered a not guilty plea for all of the charges but uh his lawyer must have just been going crazy <laughs> he's probably ready for the psych ward also he probably because, got admitted into the psych ward Damn. well he quit finally in September mm, before the trial him. was supposed to start and well you probably know you're gonna lose because you know that this guy is he looks like a good like he you well, know if it ever came out that he had gone through that trial and not had given those tapes to the police mm. he would be right in jail with him so he quit and another lawyer, John Rosen, took over, but he said he needs several more months because he's just like all of a sudden got this case dropped into his yeah. lap. So obviously he's not ready for a trial. He wants to be able to rightfully defend, he's, right? He just yeah. write himself. Like, yeah. what the hell, man? Like, he's probably swept up like the rest of the country in this oh, crazy shit. bizarre yeah. stuff. And again, this was the early 90s. Yeah. So this was like, there's not stuff that really happened like that and it's yeah and so it got even weirder for the new lawyer because the old lawyer on september the 12th guess what he gives him the tapes mm -hmm. september the 12th the old lawyer gives rosen the tapes and rosen hands them to the police because he was obviously a good guy or a better guy than the last well that's guy. the law yeah because the other guy 
for practicing law, he really didn't have a sense of right and wrong. Yeah. Which so, is scary because, you know, what people will do, like, especially you're in, in law and you just watch videotapes of all these innocent young teenage girls getting raped and murdered and you don't think and that... And he actually had a daughter the same age, the first lawyer, and he said what? it was so... Yeah, he said it was so sickening. He watched the tapes by himself, the first what, lawyer. over and over and over again? I don't know, like, what was that, but... Sounds like a weirdo to me. So then... Um, but good for him for actually coming to his senses. For having, yeah, like for having exactly... Like, well, even even this, I wonder if he quit on purpose so that he would need to get new representation so this lawyer could be like... He did. Hey, here's these... Uh, oh, I don't know what I don't know what's on them or anything. I never watched them, but maybe you should, maybe you should give them a watch. You yeah. know, probably... Like, I, I think he actually admitted to everything and I think he was charged. Good. So... The new lawyer, Rosen, he wanted the trial, he petitioned to have the trial moved from St. Catharines where the crimes had occurred because at this point there's a lot of infamy and they really didn't think that there was going to be a jury in St. Catharines that was going to give Paul Bernardo a fair trial. So the judge agreed in November to move the trial and it took all the way until the very next year in May for uh, the jury selection. Mm-hmm. took two well, days out of a thousand people they finally found a 12 person jury that wasn't biased everybody that's ever told me that they're like oh god i got jury duty i'm like what i'm like what do you mean yeah. that'd be the best thing ever i wouldn't even care if my boss wouldn't give it to me off i would go like to be especially this trial could you imagine but again they probably had to wean so many people out that were like well as soon as you admit that you took an interest in it and that you are biased mm-hmm. at all you can't be on the jury so they had to find 12 people that had been living under a rock or didn't speak English or something or lied. I I may delete this episode if I ever get selected for jury duty so that I could just lie and say that I was no I'm not a fan of true crime at all. A true crime podcast? Yeah no not me not me I'm the wrong one. So so yeah so the trial started. So yeah on May 18th uh, the trial finally began and like we said it had to be moved to Toronto just because of the how small St. Catharines was and like you said everybody's like oh my god and everyone thinks that they're already guilty basically or he is right and so the prosecutor uh, opened up with a statement pretty much portraying him Bernardo as a sadist who beat the shit out of his wife and blackmailed her about killing her sister and being involved and just kind of held that over her head and she was an abused wife and he was he was the murderer who basically took uh, yeah, both of the responsible for everything. yeah he was totally at fault she didn't it, that's how he portrayed him in the opening statement but then on may the 31st guess what came out the videos oh. jurors began watching the videotapes that were depicting the sexual assaults of uh, Kristen French, Leslie Mahaffey, even of Tammy, sister, right? Yeah, and uh, Jane Doe, because there was two separate incidences. Remember with her also. Yeah, and then on June nineteenth, Hamoka actually got up and testified that she was pretty much beaten into doing all these things, like beaten and married to a horrible man that made her do all these things, and she was a victim, and he she watched him kill. Uh, Leslie Mahaffey and Kristen French and obviously her sister so but on the cross-examination Paul's defense lawyer alleged that Kristen French was choked to death while Carla was beating her with a mallet but she denied that yeah she denied it so on August 14th the crown ends its case three months in and 86 witnesses later 
And on August 15th, the defense begins its case. Bernardo admits to a lot of stuff. Like he That's what admits, I mean. He has no yeah. he has no problem admitting what he's done. He's like, Yeah, I raped all those people and I you know, but he, that's he the did thing, never, right? ever, 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 even after he was convicted, ever say that he's done the murders. He always said that she did them. He said, like, as out of control as my life was, I was not in the room when both of those girls died. So, I mean, obviously nobody believed him. But, yeah, on the 22nd of August, the Crown finished cross-examining Bernardo and the defense wrapped up its case. And about seven days later, in the closing argument... Uh, Rosin admits that his client is the devil, pretty much. The devil incarnate. Yeah. So and he was, he, yeah. I mean, what after you watching go with those, that? though, yeah. yeah, you would, uh, what else do you think? He but, says that he kidnapped and raped and confined the two girls, but that he, the Crown did not prove that he murdered them. Well, and he says, basically, you guys are getting played and... Yeah, like, look Carla, at these tapes. Yeah, Carla Homolka is not this innocent victim she's portraying. So he was he was trying to advocate for his client, like, okay, yeah, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> but he is not the only one that was involved in these and that she's pretty much pulling the wool over your guys' eyes because she, now because we've seen these videos, yeah. you guys can see just Carl, as well yeah. as I can. That, that Carla she, had way more to do with it. That she had way more to do with it. So the jury deliver, uh, deliberated for eight hours and they came back and they pretty much said on September 1st, Bernardo was guilty on all of the nine counts he was charged with. And they sentenced him to life in prison with no parole for 25 years on the two murder charges of Kristen French and Leslie Mahaffey. So Carla went to jail, but she only went for a short period of time. She was moved to a couple different jails. So she was in the Kingston Penitentiary at first. And then it's funny because so was he. Yeah, they both were. <laughs> and then uh, in 1997, Till death do us she was moved to Joliet Prison in Quebec. Quebec. And she loved it there, actually. And she embraced the, when she knew she was going there, she knew she was going to be moved there for quite a while. And she mm. learned to speak French. She learned apparently to speak French impeccable. <laughs> okay. Well, so way better than you. <laughs> okay. So, wow. Anyway, she also. I hope the next case is Spanish and then you guys can really get mom's pronunciation. <laughs> so, she also had an affair uh, with a transgendered woman at that jail. Which, would it be an affair? Because didn't weren't didn't she try to file well, for Well, it was divorce? like a love affair. It yeah, wasn't, yeah. wasn't a marital or extra oh, marital like, affair. No, she had I'm a love affair. And, and her uh, lover's name was Linda Verano. And she said that Carla looks so innocent. So she can't imagine that she did all this stuff and oh, that she was, you know, you're getting played. person. What's her name? Linda. Linda, you are getting played, Linda. And then she was moved to Saint Anne de Plain. You are really killing <laughs> the French awesome. today. Uh, where she had a relationship with a male inmate that was also a convicted killer. Oh. So they used to go up to the fence apparently and mutually masturbate each other and oh. do all this other stuff. Where's the guards? I don't know what happened there. It was kind of like I think like a medium. A medium security, security wow. but like the men are on one Surprised. side and the on the other. And then she was released from jail 
on July 4th, 2005. Yeah, just 12 years later. Yes. No big deal. Walk in the park. Yeah. Much to Canada's dismay and the dismay of the world. Her family not, though. They picked her up and... Well, yeah, because they're ride or dies. Yeah. They didn't... They died or... (laughs) One of them did die. Yeah. Well, there you go. And they still were there. So... So she ended up um, married to her lawyer's brother. So she married her lawyer's Ooh. brother. Theory. Why would you marry someone where you know you just you just watched or you know someone that's related to you that literally just like what? And I'm sure that lawyer must. The lawyer was a female lawyer, but she must have seen the tapes of yeah. All of that And then stuff. be like, whoa, okay. Hey, I've got something to introduce you to, bro. My brother will like, well, not now because he's met a really sweet, cute girl. But before it was like, you know, he would show me someone and I'm like, no, no. Imagine like protective. Like, yeah, protective. Like, here, why don't you marry this murder killer rapist? <laughs> who raped her own sister and, you know, like killed her and killed a bunch of innocent And better girls. yet, why don't you have some children with her? Yeah. So she married Fury oh. Bordelais. <laughs> and they had three children. They moved to Antille in the uh, Caribbean. I don't then, blame her because well, everybody knows who she is here. Well, she changed her name to Leanne. Okay, she didn't change her face. Um, you know what's weird, too, is she also changed her... Paul and her both changed their last name to Teal. Which was out of a book about... This is the part that gets me. It was out of a book that he liked that was uh, the name of a serial killer. So yeah. if you were not... Guilty. Why would you change your name to what was it, Jason Teal or what is yeah, it? Yeah, Jason Teal. But and she was Leanne Teal. But why would she follow suit and do that? And they weren't even together. At no, the time. that's they what I mean. That was after he had assaulted her. There's some weird shit going on. So she. Everyone thought she was still living in Antiel, but um, her sister was contacted by Luca Magnata. Yeah, and I remember because for me that. I have a fascination with Luca Magnata. I just gave birth to my son when all this stuff went down. And I remember, like, I didn't really have anything else to do, obviously be a mom. But it was like, remember how enamored I was with that case? Because it was so crazy. He's, like, sending body parts here. Well, and Luca Magnata sent stuff to Carla Homolka's sister. Yeah, because he is a weird fame seeker. We'll do, obviously, we will definitely do Luca. We will... We are gonna that's gonna be like a special episode so I better hope luca doesn't like try to decide to contact you after you use that voice well no i don't mean you know <laughs> well you know how i feel about true crime oh my Love. god <laughs> that sounded like you were jonesing to meet luca i mean i'm not gonna say no <laughs> so uh then it was discovered when luca was trying to contact carla's sister that carla was actually living as leanne bordelais in quebec quebec and she was volunteering at her children's school. And, and they were probably like, what, elementary school? Yeah. So and think about her victims. They were like, what, 14, 15? Yeah. So, Imagine the parents at that poor school when that broke. Well, how would you, I'm sorry, how would you think that nobody, because she, yes, she's aged, obviously, right? It's 15, 20 years later. But she looks the exact same, except a little old, which you don't all of a sudden just look different because you're a little older. But one thing, I don't know, like, if a lot of you that are not Canadian know, like, how separate Quebec is from the rest of the country. Yeah. Their case wasn't actually even that famous in Quebec. So that's why she liked it there so much is because she was able to camouflage. I read all about that, too. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, no one really even gave a shit about, like, 
oh, who's this lady? And she yeah. spoke impeccable, impeccable. Francais. Francois. Muy bien. Oh, okay. We're going to wrap that up. Anyway, wrap up the French. Anyway. So, so. Denise, you probably have some information on, uh, that, that's Carla now, but you probably have some information on Paul and where he ended up. Well, I mean, as soon as he was, they, he was guilty, right? So he went right to Kingston Penitentiary, like we said. But in 2013, he was moved to Millhaven Institution, and he's still there. So while Paul was first incarcerated uh, in the beginning, and obviously probably still, he was kept in um, uh, isolation. isolation, like to himself, because he... Segregation. Segregation, yes. Because he was getting beaten up, and her, like we always talk about, that's my favorite part of every case is the jailhouse law right so they knowing that he raped and murdered kids or basically kids teenage girls and young girls helpless girls he was you know victimized in jail because that's what other people want to do to you there's other violent people in there like um one time he was coming out of a shower in 1996 and he was punched in the face by another inmate and then in 1999 uh, five convicts tried to basically gang up on him. They tried to, they stormed into the, the separate area, the segregation range where he lived and a riot squad had to get used with like tear gas and all this stuff to disperse them away from Paul's area. That's crazy. Yeah. So he also, in 2006, it came out that he admitted to having sexually assaulted at least 10 other women's, women's, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, whoa, women and that they didn't know about. And that's also, he's going to obviously try, in my opinion, you try to, when the flame kind of dulls yeah, a bit. Yeah, the infamy know? goes down, you try to bring it back. Yeah, because I think at this point, you probably just... Well, it doesn't matter because he's never going to get out. But even though he thinks, he said in 2006 that he he is a great candidate for reform and... Yeah, released. he was ready to be released because in like he wasn't eligible until 2010 under the faint hope clause, our favorite faint hope clause. I think that should be called what the fuck was someone thinking clause because yeah, that's so that's stupid. that's very interesting to me. Like, I've never heard of something like that anywhere else. It's almost like the person that thought of that was a horrible criminal. Yeah, like, <laughs> because they were I like, in case I get caught for this crime, I'm going to make this faint hope clause. It's absolutely fucking stupid that... Allows the most horrific people to victimize their victims' families or their loved ones over and over and over. Yeah, again. I mean when the when the whole faint hope clause was happening, which it's not anymore now. Uh, I think it was abolished now, but it was, it was every two years they could bring their families of their victims back to the parole board. Well, every remember, two years. remember Clifford? Clifford? Yeah, he would be like, ah. like he would use it, it as like his a own sadistic. Stick fuck clause really <laughs> that's what it should be called the sadistic <laughs> fuck clause yeah there you go let's fuck well i mean don't bring it back but that's what we're gonna refer to it from now on so as the sadistic fuck clause <laughs> yeah. so paul basically uh spends his days in a segregated unit like 23 hours a day which i mean good good for you that's what yeah. you deserve but i wish that carla was in there also for 23 hours a day but what do you do she's busy raising children oh yeah she could go to jail i wonder if her family still talks to her yeah apparently they do that's fucking crazy yeah oh. the... so via video conference or whatever or zoom probably because that's it wasn't zoom but in, in... <laughs> i think zoom was invented <laughs> it wasn't well it was because this is only 2018 
So it was probably fucking Zoom. I thought Zoom just got invented in 2012. No, Zoom's been around. Oh, that's why they're Zoom pirates. Yeah, which is hilarious that they're Zoom pirates. We but actually, we heard about it was, what was it? It was, an AA, it was an AA meeting and someone pirated the AA meeting and started saying, why don't you go have a drink, you old bitch? Oh my. In the middle of the AA meeting. So yeah, well, this one didn't get pirated. But this yeah. one was, uh, first for the first time, he was pretty much allowed to do his first pitch to the parole board uh, 25 years later after he's been in prison. He was like super eager and he was very docile and like kind of distracted a little bit and he forgot who he was yeah probably but he claimed that he went through work through all the traumas and confronted the psychological reasons for all that he was like so sadistic and fucked up like everything that he did so yeah. he he got to the root of it and said it was low self-esteem and you know misguided coping coping mechanisms and he was uh, under a lot of stress and it was like the adverse effects of stress mixed with alcohol which uh okay i haven't drank for six years but before that i had a lot of adverse side effects from stress and alcohol but i didn't rape anybody or kill them well honestly i can i mean i'm not condoning at all what he did at all like zero part of me but he had a pretty fucked up he childhood. did yeah. i mean i i can't condone it but i can't understand makes me not be able to understand even more the fact that Carla had like a beautiful an childhood. ideal yeah. childhood and she was just as fucked up if not more fucked up than he was well and that's that's yeah and there's again is that created or are people born like well that? it, that's it's the both, argument, right? right I mean they've proven that it's both and of he course. definitely I think probably had a little bit of both well and experiencing trauma actually one of my best friends she just did um you know she's looking into and trying to explain that and she it's basically if you if you have trauma in early parts of your life that it rewires your brain and yeah. obviously if you're having those kinds of traumas or you're seeing you know fucked up shit like that you either carry on to mirror those behaviors yeah. or you go and it, it affects you in another way where you know it gives you other issues but he was obviously trying to say that he was ready to get out of jail now because he's been in for 25 years but that's psychopathy too like you can't trust even anything that a psychopath says later on like can you no and he's you know what he said he was trying to say to them like you know sex is a really small part of my life now and like well yeah because you've been in jail for 25 in years segregation by your damn self right like, are you serious that you don't I, I bet he draws on that every single time he masturbates he thinks about what he's done. Like, honestly. Well, yeah, he was trying to say, like, I didn't consider my victim's emotions and I should have. And I offended to raise my self-esteem. And I cry every day. I cry every day. And, like, obviously nobody's feeling sorry for you, right? So one of them was, like, Mr. Bernardo, please. Like, kind of yeah. trying to be, like, look, bitch, you're Paul Bernardo. Like, we know what you did. It was on film. You can't. It, there's, I do believe in people having second chances, but like, that's Not like that kind of no. People. That's what I mean. That's like saved for like you know people that have had addictions and people that have you know have done wrong but come and changed and but not because you're in jail but that's facing. what he he was trying to draw on that yeah but, but it was a little that's bullshit a little over the top yeah that's why they're like mr bernardo please yeah so yeah bullshit crazy definitely twisted for sure 
well, there was a couple books and films and other things, obviously, because, you know, when you're watching Law and Order Special Victims Unit, like me, and they start to get, like, into, like, a something that's based on true crime, and you see that it's, like, oh, a beautiful husband and wife, beautiful killer, you know? Like, they... Yeah, well, you know that's them, right? Exactly, away. yeah. Like, so, loosely based or yeah. less loosely than you'd like. Well, yeah, well, there's even that with a lot of the Picton case, uh, Willie. Oh... So, you remember him? Do you remember him? Ah, yeah. Brief, barely, vaguely, right? Yeah, no. But really, I mean, I don't even remember what I was talking about. What was I saying? I need to stop smoking pot. What was I talking about? (laughs) What was I saying? I think you're just droning on about Willie. Oh, oh God. Every time Willie gets me, Willie gets me. I always forget what I was talking about. Yeah, no, I think what I was saying was uh, a lot of things are loosely based on this case because this case was oh, yeah. so perverse and so shocking. <laughs> Freaking Willie. And, <laughs> and that's what happened in the end. I was just kidding. I actually smoked pot, everybody. It was just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> the lie detector determines that is a lie. But anyway, uh, there was books and uh, like movies and shows and all this stuff. And I know in 2005, there was a... The one done with Laura Prepon, you know the yeah the girl like from her. that '70s show as Carla Homolka. I didn't even didn't hear very good things about it, but I mean I don't know. I don't like the way they do a it. lot of movies. Yeah. If I honestly maybe I should go into directing because I think I could fucking beat the shit out of the directing chair. Perfect. <laughs> I'd be the best fucking director anyone ever saw. Yeah, you swear like a trucker. Well, I maybe mean, I'll. Direct a lot of where you got that from. trucker. Well, maybe you shouldn't have had a baby with a trucker. How about that? <laughs> One that just learned English in a logging camp. Anyway, fuck that guy. <laughs> I actually was conceived through um, through just my mom. Masturbation. Oh god. <laughs> I was gonna say solo. Actually, I'm Jesus's child. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I'm just kidding. I don't know. The fake hope clause. The, the sadistic fuck clause. Yeah. So, yeah, that essentially brings us to the end of Carla Homolka, who could be listening to this podcast because she's but out she and about. Wouldn't, she wouldn't be because Leanne Teal might be, but she wouldn't. Oh, yeah, because oh, Carla no. Homolka. Leanne Bordeaux. 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 Francais. I don't know. Okay, well, anyway, that brings us. Oh, yeah. That's it. Fools for Love, that special victims episode. Special, special victims unit. It was about them. Sorry. <laughs> like Benson and Stabler, those are my guys. So I know. But anyway, this was maybe just. Maybe we'll reenact this podcast one day. Yeah, maybe. But I'll direct it. So it will be done properly. Yeah. But that brings us to the end of this sick and twisted episode of The Ken and Barbie Killers. Part two. Part two. A we made you guys wait. A fatal attraction. Was that what it was? A fatal connection. Oh, a fatal connection. Yes. And next time in two Ooh. more weeks, you guys, is going to be our 10th episode already. And Number 10. I know that we're going to have something super, super, super fucking okay, whoa, awesome whoa, whoa, whoa. and suspenseful. <laughs> I'm saying this because it's Danica's turn. So. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a lot of pressure. The buildup is, build is large. So I have quite a few... Being the true crime OG. cat that I am, <laughs> I was trying to think of a good word, but nothing came. Um, anyway, I fucking love true crime. So, being like I said, I used to, my mom used to fall asleep to it, and I would sit there and watch it all. So, but there are always reruns because she'd already seen them. So, obviously, it's comfort, comforting now. And so, I watched a lot 
of cases that made me like, <gasps> every time more and more. So I got a lot. I have quite a list of the ones that I, and I, you know what, I'm just getting started. So I think I know which one you're going to do. I'm not going to say anything, but if it's don't look at that big mural on my wall with that (laughs) big ass picture of who you think it is. Yes. I have a serial killer wall in our room. Yeah. Yeah. And P.S. We were supposed to film for you guys today. And I just remembered right now. Well, so you know what? Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's 2020. It's Canada. Haven't you? (laughs) It's legal. We will have a very special case for you guys next, not next week, the week after. I think we should get all dolled up and try to record on a day that I didn't get up at two o'clock in the morning. And And then drive the bus all day. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool. And you know what? You know what we'll do for you guys this week is we'll post maybe a picture of ourselves or maybe not. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But it's just, yeah. I mean, we, we want you guys to see us when you put a face to the name. Maybe you guys will, I don't know. Maybe you'll understand why we're so <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> why we're so fucking awesome. Anyway, well, we love you guys. And uh, thanks for joining me on Murder With My Mother, where I talk murder with my mother. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Stay safe. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Don't be gross. Don't pick your nose.